Good morning, City Bible Church. Good to see you guys here. I didn't hear any good mornings back. Let's try that again. Good morning, City Bible Church. It's good to see you here. There you go. And good morning, downtown Los Angeles. Um, you get the uh, opportunity and privilege to hear from us once again uh, through your closed or open windows. Uh, but it's really hearing from God. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to receive that as well. Be an encouragement to you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Third John, the book of Third John. Uh, this is, I believe, the shortest New Testament epistle of them all, along with Second John. And uh, this week is the conclusion of our series, Life. That's called our series called Life that we began in September. And um, a lot of us have read First John. Uh, fewer of us have read Second John, and I think very few of us have actually read Third John. Uh, but it's a very important epistle because. What John is addressing here is he is encouraging God's people to support those who share the truth. That is the main point of this epistle. The Apostle John is writing to a man named Gaius, and he's encouraging him, as well as those uh, that would ever read this, to support and to encourage Christian missionaries to support and encourage those who uh, not only walk in the truth, but share in the truth. And so uh, what we're going to see in this epistle is we're going to be introduced to three men, Gaius, Demetrius, and Diotrephes. And each one of these three men uh, are going to play a pivotal role in these short uh, 15 verses. Gaius was a church leader. And uh, he was a man who John commended for walking in the truth. Uh, he was a man who did good. And he's also a man who supported those who shared the truth as they came through uh, what was most likely Ephesus here. And so Gaius is a man who is, uh, this letter is directed to, and he is commended by John. Demetrius is a man in this letter who is a Christian missionary. And he is uh, appearing, Demetrius is appearing with letters of recommendation, saying that these whoever has written these letters are vouching for Demetrius's character. John is actually vouching for Demetrius' character and work. And he is encouraging Gaius to uh, receive Demetrius as a Christian missionary. The third man we're going to hear from, uh, see about, is a man named Diotrephes. And he is the... Um, he is the antagonist. He is the villain in this uh, short letter. He is a man who is at the church, and he is a church leader. And he was not only stopping Christian missionaries from coming to the church, but uh, Diotrephes was actually excommunicating other believers who were welcoming Christian missionaries. And he was doing that because he saw them as a threat uh, to his power that he had in the church. Uh, some believe that the relationship between First John, Second John, First uh, John, Second John, and Third John—it's uh, just a theory—goes something like this: um, is that First John was written to the wider church to be read out in all of these regions throughout Ephesus and and Asia Minor. That's First John was kind of a wider letter to be read. Second John was a letter to be read 
specifically to uh, this congregation that's being written to. And 3 John might have been written to uh, specifically just a private letter. And that's what we're going to look at here today. But Gaius, Demetrius, and Diotrephes. And so we're going to go through this passage. We're going to read 1 John together. And then uh, I'm going to circle back around. And we're going to ask ourselves, how do we find ourselves as Gaius, Diotrephes, John, uh, figuratively, and Demetrius. Okay, so uh, let's stand together and we'll read 3 John together. The Epistle of 3 John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. Verse 9. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what-offs, those who want to who want to and puts them out of the church verse 11 beloved do not imitate evil but imitate good whatever whoever does good is from god whoever does evil is not seeing god demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself we also add our testimony and we you know that our testimony is true I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray together. And Father, as we uh, look, look at this short epistle, we um, do not want to mistake brevity for um, and, and miss the importance of it, because it's short. Because uh, you want to remind us this morning of the importance of walking in the truth, of supporting those who share the truth in your name. You want to remind us, Lord, that uh, of the dangers of um, the character of diotrophies that can exist in any church. And the, um, the importance, Lord, of not imitating what is evil, but imitating what is good. And I pray that uh, you would encourage us, uh, convict us. And lead us uh, in those directions this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Thank you. So let's go through this passage as we look at Gaius, Demetrius, and Diotrephes. And ask ourselves, um, who are we to follow the example of? Who are we to encourage? And who are we to uh, stay away from in terms of their example? So let's look at this uh, short uh, 15 verses. In verse 1, the elder. Let's stop there. Verse 1. John is writing this as the elder. And when he says elder, 
It's probably about, he's been in Ephesus ministering for 20 or so years. And so in every way, age, Christian walk, authority, um, John is an elder. Uh, he's written one of the Gospels that they would have known about by this time as well. And he says in verse 1, he's writing to the beloved Gaius, who he loves, who is loved by the congregation, who is loved by the Lord. Gaius was a leader in the church, and um, he commends him. He says, I, I love you in the truth, verse 1. I love you in the truth. It's a reminder to us, just in verse 1, that the truth determines the bounds of love. The truth determines who we love and how we love. The highest um, organizing principle or value that the church is to be centered upon is not actually love. It's actually truth. Because if you don't have truth, you don't know what the definition of love is. So that's why John says here, whom I love in the truth. Uh, Truth is a main subject of John's writings in these epistles, in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Uh, He mentions the truth seven times in 1 John, four times in 2 John, and now five times here in 3 John. He says throughout these epistles that if you obey God's commandments, it is a sign that you know him, that you abide in him, that you love God and you love the church. Um, in fact, in the wider scope of John's writings, in uh, the Gospel of John, John has several um, quote, uh, quotations of Jesus that appear only in the Gospel of John related to the truth that do not appear in the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And John highlights the theme of John in the Gospel of John when he says things, and he's quoting Jesus only in the Gospel of John does it appear where Jesus says, you will be true worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. Where he quotes Jesus and he says, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Where he quotes Jesus saying, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Where he quotes Jesus as saying, uh, as actually Pilate saying to Jesus, and Pilate's asking Jesus, what is truth? So truth is an enormous theme, not just love, within John's writings. And so he's writing it to Gaius, his beloved brother, in the truth. Verse 2. And he says, beloved. Uh, This is kind of like a standard greeting um, in in, uh, New Testament times in the writers of the epistles. Uh, He wants to pray for Gaius' health. All may go well with you. Be in good health. That goes well with your soul. Um, it shows that John cares about all these different areas of Gaius's life, not just his spirituality, but his health and just how his life is going. Ga- John wants the best for his friend. And John shows us this is a good uh, example. Uh, he doesn't lord his power over a congregation. He doesn't celebrate when um, someone you know, has hardship. He looks at his congregation and goes, I pray for you. I want you to succeed. I want your life to go well. I want you to be in good health. I want everything to be well with you spiritually. It's not always the case that that happens. But the intention is there and the care is there. 
And he says in verse 3 and verse 4 that John rejoiced greatly. Uh, There were some other believers that came to John and they testified of how Gaius' life was going. So he says in verse 3 and verse 4, I'm rejoicing that uh, these brothers are telling me that you're walking in the truth. He says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to the greatest joy for you as well. I would love for your experience here at City Bible Church to be one where you make lifelong friends. I would love for your experience here at this church to be where um, you kind of discover a ministry that's uh, fulfilling to you. I would love this this experience of church to be um, a place where you know, maybe you meet a person who becomes your uh, a person you marry. You have kids, and, and your kids prosper in their life. All these wonderful things, right? But the most important thing is that you're walking in the truth. The the job of of a shepherd leader, and really what John is saying, is that his primary concern of the church that he's ministering to, the believers he's ministering to is that he presents them mature in Jesus Christ. He presents them the truth and encourages them, even kind of redirects them at times towards walking in the truth. And so John encourages uh, Gaius that not only uh, is he rejoicing in that, but he also has the testimony of other believers seeing that, which is a very important thing in the Christian faith. One of the reasons why you need to be part of a church, and you can't be solo Christian man, solo Christian woman out there, you might still be saved, but the reason why you you need to be part of a community of people is they give testimony to what is happening in your life. John here said, uh, verse 3 again, "I, I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. John's saying, I've heard other people talk about you and say good things about your faith. And that's very important. Because when you're part of a church community, uh, your involvement in church community does at least two things in your life. Number one, it affirms the areas of your life that are going well in your character, your Christian character. Other brothers and sisters say, hey, you know what? I want to encourage you. I really like what's happening in your life. That was a good thing that, 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 that you said or you did. Uh, man, you, we were so blessed by um, that particular deed that you did. And they start to affirm you in, in, in biblical ways of the good things that are happening in your life. And that builds you up. But the second thing that happens in Christian community is that the community also comes around you and says, Ah, you know, that maybe wasn't the best move of yours. Yeah, when you said that, not quite a good idea to say that. Um, And every one of us needs that. We need to have people in our lives that are correcting us and commending us, who disconnected from Christian community is you're not commended and corrected. You end up being puffed up or uh, 
you end up putting yourself down so much that the enemy starts to take that negativity and use it to destroy you. And so it's very important. This is a man, Gaius, who was not just walking in the truth, but he had the testimony of other believers testifying about his character. And so John could look at that and say, you know what? Um, this is right. This is true. Um, there's a testimony here, not just what we see in his life, but by the testimony of the church. Verse 5, verse 6, and now John moves on, and he's talking about the actions of Gaius. And he's, he he says in verse 5 and 6 that he's being faithful. Why? Because he's showing hospitality to the brothers who are strangers. And these brothers who are strangers are in verse 7, we know, those who have gone out for the sake of the name. So we know that these brothers who that Gaius didn't even know are other believers who are going out for the sake of the name. And um, hotels and all of this stuff, we can go travel. That's not how it was in the first century. If you went out as a Christian missionary, I mean, you might have these extreme, like, experiences like Paul had in 2 Corinthians where he's beaten and tortured and chased and shipwrecked. I mean, that's what awaited you when you went out as a Christian missionary on the extreme end. But for a lot of Christian missionaries, when they went out there, it wasn't like, hey, I'll just pay the money, go to this nice place, take a shower, eat a good meal, and be on my way. A lot of them, as they traveled from town to town, they relied on the hospitality of other Christians. And the few kind of like, I don't know if you could call it like motels or whatever the equivalent, the inns, kind of like uh, Joseph and Mary, right? When they were trying to get into this inn, they say to the major, a lot of these inns were just basically poor, rat-infested brothels. And so you can see the importance now of men like Gaius, who welcomed Christian missionaries because the alternative was not really something that was tenable. And so he is commended by John in verse 5 and 6. He says, again, the brothers, uh, he, he's, he's supporting these missionaries that were strangers to him. He didn't even know these people on top of which. And these missionaries testified of Gaius' love before the entire church. You know, you may... You may... Um, find it very rare to have a church experience where people testify about you in front of the whole church. It's almost uncomfortable for a lot of us. If someone comes up before the whole church, as is happening here, verse 6, they testify to your love before the church. It's almost uncomfortable when other people come forward in the church and say, hey, you know what, I want to tell you about the good thing that Kevin did, that Earl did, that Jessica did, that Cynthia did, that who, anyone, right? And we always kind of shrink, I'm so embarrassed, this is, you know, like, or we say, you know what, oh, it's, it's not me, it's totally God, I'm nothing. And there's some theological truth to that, of course. But John had no problem with other believers testifying to the goodness of another believer in front of the whole church. Neither did Paul, by the way. 
If you go back and you read the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, the last chapter of the book of Romans, he's commending people all over the place in front of the entire church. And I think one of the experiences that's very important to have when you're part of a church uh, is to say that this is a place where we can commend one another for the good things that God is doing in their life. Um, usually when that happens in the church, it's done in a very responsible way. It's not done in a way that's solely meant to puff the individual up. And so I, I think that's a very important thing. The church should be the place built up by the affirmation and commendation of other brothers and sisters in Christ for the good things that God is doing in your life. And so uh, that's what John is doing. He's recognizing that. And he's saying, Gaius, you've done a good work. Uh, verse 7, these Christian missionaries that went out accepted nothing from the Gentiles. Now, these are the Gentile Christians that these missionaries were leading to Christ. So imagine that these uh, Christian missionaries were coming through. Gaius is giving him them hospitality. Hospitality meant, hey, you can stay at my place. Uh, a lot like Jesus sending out the uh, the disciples in the Gospels, Jesus sending out the 72 in the Gospels, uh, Lydia providing hospitality for Paul and his companions in Acts 16. They're providing hospitality to Christian missionaries. You can stay at my place. I'll feed you. I'll give you, I'll support your ministry financially. And so what was happening was these missionaries were coming into these different towns they were leading people to Christ. They were making disciples of like these Gentile Christians. But they were also not saying to these Christians that they've just led to faith. Now will you support my ministry? Why? It's because they wanted to avoid the appearance that they're doing this ministry, evangelistic ministry, solely to make money. And so like Jesus said in Matthew 10, where he says, go out, don't take, you know, a bag with you. Um, and just kind of move along your way. It was really just depend upon the Lord for all of that. Now, he is not saying that Christian missionaries cannot accept financial support. All he's saying at this point is these missionaries wanted to be very careful that the people that they led to Christ, that it would not appear that they're doing it for uh, money motives, greedy motives. And so that's even more commendable, right? Um, you, you guys know that I'm... I'm writing these two books, uh, and they're going to come out somewhere around Easter. Uh, but some people don't. Um, I didn't want people to think I was doing it for any money. And But also because I think it's more important to use that money for those kind of purposes. It's probably the better reason. And so here we are in Third John. Uh, he says in verse 8, Therefore we ought to support people like these. Good motives. These people have good motives. They're not doing it for the money. Uh, we should support people like these. They're not doing it for the money. They're, they have commendation by other brothers. Um, and uh, they are going out for the sake of the name. So we should support people like the people like these that they may, we that we, verse eight, may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers for the truth. Notice this. Christian missionaries come through, and uh, maybe you, some of you, uh, some of you do support them. Some of you are thinking about it, but.
But John gives us a very important reason of why we should. End of verse 8. That we may be fellow workers for the truth. When you support a Christian missionary, what you're saying is I'm a fellow worker, not primarily with you, but primarily I'm a fellow worker with the truth that you proclaim and for the one that you proclaim. Yes, I might support you because I like you, I believe in you, but primarily what I'm doing um, is supporting the message that you're giving and the one that you're representing. When you are raising support in any kind of capacity, missionary, church planter, whatever, um, you should always say that um, you're supporting the Lord's work. You're not supporting people that have no connection to me. They just, you know, I don't know, in Christian service, Christian missionary work. And uh, why are you doing this? And what I always look for is for them to say, um, you are supporting the Lord's work not primarily mine. Um, and if I hear that, I'm usually like, okay, you know, how can I support you? That you may be fellow workers for the truth. Why is this important? Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, you guys are very familiar with this passage. Jesus says, and it often gets misinterpreted. Okay, I'm going to show you how people misinterpret this in a massive way. And uh, Jesus tells this parable of the sheep and goats. And in this parable, I'll, I'll just summarize it. It's a long parable. You can read it later. He basically says this. Um, when you see those who are poor, naked, hungry, in jail, um, some of you, you went to go help them. And when you went to go help them, you were um, doing it unto me. All right? And then he says, those of you who saw those who were poor, naked, hungry, in jail, uh, you didn't help them. And when you didn't do that, uh, you didn't do it unto me. And a lot of Christians look at that passage and they say, well, in the world, anytime I help anyone who's suffering and poor, I am helping Jesus himself. And that's not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was, when you see other believers who are poor, naked, hungry, in jail, and you go to help them, or when you help other Christian missionaries who are who are in need, you are doing it unto me. Why? It is because the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit of Jesus that lives in them, is the same one that lives in you. And when you are helping the Holy Spirit, or them, through which the Holy Spirit lives in them, that who lives in you, you are then doing it unto Jesus. There are other passages that talk about helping the poor in general, but that is why we prioritize helping Christian missionaries, especially those or Christians who are in need. Because you do it unto Jesus. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, you know, thank you, Philippian church. When I left Macedonia, you were the only ones to support me financially, which is shocking because Paul Berea did it. Thessalonica didn't, and uh, Church of Philippi, I mean, Church of Philippi did. And then he says in Philippians 4 that I say this and I seek this not uh, for my own benefit, 
but for the benefit that's credited to your account. And what Paul was saying there is what John is saying here. When you support those who go out in the name of Jesus, it is credited to your account. He's saying the same thing that John, uh, Jesus was saying in Matthew 25. You are doing it unto Jesus because the same spirit lives in them, lives in you. And so people who have come through this church, um, we have been generous. We have been encouraging. We have partnered with them. Whether it was the Voice of Martyrs who have come through. We've had speak here twice over the past few years. And we support them because those are Christian missionaries that go out to raise support for the persecuted church. Uh, we've sent out and supported the Tsuchimas. Uh, there have been others where uh, Matt F. that we're uh, raising support for, as he goes out as a Christian missionary, we're joining in being fellow workers in the truth. Uh, we, think we also support the Strombergs, who have come... Uh, I don't know, about two years ago now, or a year and a half ago, as they now have gotten their visas, and they're getting prepared to move to, um, to Birmingham, England, to begin their ministry among the Southeast Asians um, in England. And our hope is that we're uh, now establishing a long-term partnership with them where we can send out in the future through this church missionary teams to England to uh, join in their work. But we want to be fellow workers for the truth. Verse 9 and 10. Now he talks about the villain here, Diotrephes. And Diotrephes was a man who had no such interest in the furtherance of the gospel. It says in verse 9, verse 10, that uh, Diotrephes loved to put himself first. That he didn't acknowledge Paul's authority that he didn't welcome Christian missionaries, that he actually excommunicated other believers who were welcoming these missionaries. Paul said, when I come, I'm going to draw attention to this. And um, Paul was clearly uh, passing judgment on Diotrephes, and he saw Diotrephes as a threat to what was happening in the church. Maybe he's a believer who's kind of bringing division, or maybe he's not even a believer, but Paul is going to come and sort that through. In verse 11, he says, um, don't imitate what is evil, that's referring to Diotrephes, but imitate what is good, uh, which is continuing to welcome the, the uh, Christian missionaries. Verse 12, and then he comes to Demetrius. Now, Demetrius is... Uh, kind of a, a central focus of this letter. Um, he's kind of the reason, probably, that John was writing to Gaius. And Demetrius um, is coming through. I don't know if he's already there um, or if he's on his way. But Demetrius is one of those Christian missionaries who's coming through. And he says in verse 12, he's received, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, which means that Demetrius has been vetted. His message is the truth. And he has a good testimony from other believers. And then he says in the second part of verse 12, and you know, uh, we also add our testimony. Our is referring to John. And you know that our testimony is true. So John is saying this. I, John, recommend Demetrius. Other believers recommend Demetrius. We have also looked at Demetrius' message that he is sharing, and we compare it with Scripture and find it to be the truth. Uh, when I... 
was first um, thinking about starting this church, uh, me and Lorraine we were talking, we were praying, and um, we had to be vetted. You know, I had to go through, even though I'd planted a church already, we had kind of changed denominations, and, uh, you know, I had to, me and Lorraine had to appear before in an interview, a um, group of pastors, and I was interviewed for like uh, four hours, she was there for one hour of it, um, I had to do a whole write-up about what I believe, and um, do tests and assessments, and so, you know, did really well on those, and they basically said, our testimony is that we support you. We've vetted you in terms of what you believe, what you teach. We've listened to some of your messages. And um, we believe that, you know, you're a person the Lord can use to go start a church. But that's important, you know, because I've, we've had people come in through our church. Uh, we had a person come in through Cerritos several years ago. And they just kind of showed up out of nowhere. Nobody knew who they were. And uh, they came up to me and goes, hey, I really like your church. You know, I've been coming for a couple of weeks. I'd like to go start a church. And they immediately go, I'd like to go start a church. What do you think? Maybe if I get sent out in a year. And I'm like, wait, what is their name again? Um, and I, I remember just saying to them, you know what? Um, I really like the idea of people starting churches. And I really tend to like church planters. Um, and maybe, you know, that will be you one day. Maybe we will send you out. However, we have to get to know you first. And we have to, you know, see... Let's serve together, and let's see if we're going to be around. And then he disappeared like two weeks later. We never saw from him again, right? You have to have people who have a testimony about the person, and you have to have um, see what they believe before you lay hands on them. Uh, verse 13 through 15, these are just closing greetings. Um, John said, or closing uh, words, he says, I've got a lot to write to you. I don't got a lot of paper, papyrus. I want to see you soon. Talk to you face to face. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. You can tell like John, like Paul, had a sense of love for uh, the people he's writing to. He had a relational connection to them. And he wanted to see them. But notice this. John, like Paul, when he would say, I want to see you again. I miss you. Um, he is not just saying, they are not just saying, I want to see you and I miss you so we can just go hang out and have lunch together. I'm sure a lot of that was going on. But John, like Paul, is saying, when they say, I, I, I miss you, I want to see you, I want to greet you, uh, I want to be in fellowship with you again, it is not just to um, hang out and have a good time. They are coming with a, uh, an intentionality. I want to see you and greet you and be with you again, not just to enjoy fellowship, but to correct the things that are happening that are off in the churches. I want to see you and greet you again because I want to build you up in the faith. And so there's an intentionality behind that. And every good pastor should be the same. When I greet you, when I see you, I miss you, I love you, but there's an intentionality behind our relationship to present you mature in Christ. And so as we close, we want to be asking ourselves these questions. How do we see ourselves in Gaius, Diotrephes, John, and Demetrius? And I think when we look at Gaius, uh, we want, what we want to take away from him this morning is we want to say, uh, like Gaius, 
there should be a part of my Christian walk that supports Christian missionaries. That supports Christian missionaries. Every single believer should be like Gaius, where we are praying for Christian missionaries, we are financially supporting Christian missionaries, and many of you do. Uh, we are also advocating for them. Okay? You know, Matt, as he's praying, he's going to, uh, raising support to uh, go to Japan as a missionary long term. You know, he sends out these support letters, and he's saying, you know, and, and a lot, most support raider, uh, raisers and missionaries do this. They say, I'm at so-and-so, a percentage of my support. A lot of sending agencies will not send you until you're at 100% or somewhere around there of your support. And so uh, that's the right thing to do to let us know what percentage that, you know, he's at. And um, I look at that and I'm like, you know, I just really hope everyone is searching their heart and asking, how can I support? And if you are already, uh, we, we commend you. Because we have determined, based upon what Matt believes and his character and his service, that um, he has a good testimony here in this church. And I want to encourage you to ask him about his ministry and see how you can partner with that. So, um, or maybe it's Voice of Martyrs. Maybe it's the Strombergs. Maybe it's some other groups that we send out. Uh, but we all need to be like Gaius. Secondly, uh, we don't want to be like Diotrephes. We don't want to be like Diotrephes. There are Diotrephes in every church. In every church, you have at least one Diotrephes. Who is a Diotrephes? Again, Diotrephes are people who are ruled by their pride, their jealousy, their stubbornness in the church. They're like this black hole that sucks people in. Because it's all about them. Um, they are divisive in the church. They are uh, rebellious against church leadership. This is Diotrephes. This is this kind of the spirit of Diotrephes. There are people who, who are Diotrephes because they will not encourage evangelism. They will not support it in the church. They will discourage the movement of the church towards that either in them uh, discouraging others or, or being a distraction to others as the church tries to move forward to win people to Christ. Do not be like a Diotrephes. Because um, he faces the judgment of the Lord. Thirdly, we want to look at the Apostle John. And, uh, you know, we're not John, obviously. But uh, what we want to take away from John is... Uh, John did two things that was really good in this epistle. Number one is he affirmed the good things that were happening. He's like, Gaius, good job. Gaius, you're doing the right thing. Supporting the brothers who are strangers. Um, hey, Gaius, I want you to know that there are other brothers that give you a good testimony. John went out of his way to lie. John went out of his way to affirm um, the good thing that he saw in Gaius' life. And what, what we want to take away from John here is when you see something good happening in the life of another believer, affirm it. 
say, you know what? I really liked that. That was good. Praise God. You know what? Hey, you know what? That really encouraged me. That was a good example. Be lavish with your blessing and affirmation and praise towards other people. Um, We need that. Especially during COVID, when the whole world is falling apart. When we're sitting there at home thinking all these negative thoughts about our life. How much more important is it to have other brothers and sisters send you a text? I got a text from someone yesterday. Yesterday morning. Someone sent me a text yesterday morning. It's a long text. And say, I just want to affirm this and this and this and this was really good. It really built me up. And I just read that. I go, oh, man, that made me feel so good. And not in a prideful, boastful way, but it just it just affirmed that, you know what? Um, yeah, my life is about the right thing. So, John, we want to be affirming. But also, secondly, about John is notice he confronted division in the church. He confronted those who were divisive in the church. When John says about Diotrephes, verse 10, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. You want to be part of a church where the leaders are willing to confront those who are bringing division in the church. You want to be part of a church like that. If you saw a family and parents with kids who are just completely unruly and divisive and no manners, offending other people all over the place, and the parents weren't saying anything, what would you think? You'd think, what is wrong with those parents? I wouldn't want them raising my kids. Same thing in the church. If you see divisive people in the church and leadership not saying anything and calling that out, you should still say, what is wrong with those leaders? Right? I want to be part of a church where, like John said in verse 10, um, I'm going to bring up what they're doing. They're talking, they're talking wickedness, nonsense, right? And you want to follow men um, who lead the church. And women, you want to follow the women who are willing to do that when needed. And lastly for today, um, we want to be like a Demetrius. We want to be like a Demetrius. Um, and by the way, if you're here, you're all Demetriuses. You're all Demetriuses here at City Bible Church. I don't know if you recognize that. Your involvement in this church is the um, counter-cultural opposite of a church experience where you have the luxury to sit in the back, chill, and just stare at the back of some guy's bald head. Okay? This involvement here at City Bible Church is very much the opposite. And so your being here is your definition of saying, I, I volunteer to be of Demetrius, to be sent out by the Lord. Whether you're talking about those of you that are going on the prayer, um, witnessing, street witnessing on February 5th, whether you're talking about being part of the Little Tokyo City Tours, uh, which will be on January 29th, I believe. It's in two Saturdays from now. We didn't mention that earlier on. Um, walking tour, whether you're part of Lord of the Games, whether you're part of Peter and Marcus's art show, whether you're part of the Explorer's Bible Studies, Kyle here, I mean, he tells me, I was talking to him the other day, and he on the side, it's not even, this was not my idea, it was his idea, 
And he, has been, he had been leading uh, different Bible studies with different unbelievers in his life. I think three different Bible studies and three different unbelievers in his life during COVID. And he just told me the other day that one of them made a profession of faith in Christ. He was doing that through Zoom on his own initiative. And that is commendable, Kyle. That is commendable. Because you're going out in uh, the name of the Lord. And uh, we want to support that. We want to commend that. So that's really good. So as we close this together, ask yourself, am I supporting the good work of the Lord like Gaius? Am I renouncing the ways of Diotrephes? Am I following a church uh, and the example of John to both affirm the good things in other believers' lives, but to confront those who cause division? And am I embracing my role as a Demetrius, as one who is sent out? Let's pray together. As we close together this morning, Lord, uh, we recognize we are all Demetriuses. May we be sent out. May we be faithful. May we raise our hand and say, here I am, Lord. Whether that is in downtown LA, whether that is in Cerritos, whether that is in our personal lives, Lord, um, we renounce a definition of church that says that our experience is one of spiritual stuck and stagnation, um, but rather is one of dynamic movement, living by the Spirit, keeping step in the Spirit, and being messengers of the truth, Lord. We pray that um, this message through our lives would go out and that you would draw, not through coincidence, but through divine um, arrangement those who are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ to yielding their hearts to his lordship in saving faith in their lives Lord may we go forward uh, like Demetrius uh, sharing the message of truth and that is commendable Lord that is commendable so would you bless us may we live that out faithfully in Jesus name amen amen now let's stand together and close in worship as we sing this last song, uh, I just uh, I'd like to take this time to uh, just let you know that um, uh, just to reflect on this song uh, and, and to sing it uh, if you can, and just to remember that you know out out there, God doesn't care how you sound. Uh, so uh, let's all sing this song together. Jesus, give me Jesus.